Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. We're in the middle of the Women's World Cup, one of the biggest women's sporting events. The U.S. team's match against the Netherlands hit a new record for viewership for the group stage with an average 6.43 million viewers on Fox. And the Bay Area is showing up in a big way. More than a third of the players from the USWNT, the women's national team competing in the World Cup, have ties to the Bay Area. The USA Women's World Cup team is packed with Bay Area talent. A newly formed franchise of the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, called Bay FC, will start playing in San Jose at PayPal Park next year. That venue saw hundreds of fans show up last week to watch the U.S. women's team kick off against Portugal at midnight. The game that the winner of draw gets him through to the next round. The knockout stage is Morgan. But even in the Bay Area, that kind of crowd is an anomaly in women's sports, which are generally less televised and harder to find gatherings or watch parties for. A sports bar in Portland dedicated exclusively to women's sports routinely has lines out the door for big events. Here, there's nothing quite like that, but there is a group trying to bring that spirit to the Bay Area. Marissa and Jemmy covers sports for the Chronicle and recently wrote about an effort to make it easier for fans to find and attend events related to women's sports. Marissa, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. You cover women's sports. Let's just acknowledge the reality here. It's harder for the general public to find ways to watch women's sports than men's. Women's sports also gets less attention. How big is that difference and why is that? Yeah, I mean, just kind of like a culture of misogyny has led to the gap we have between men's and women's sports generally. The gap is is huge when you look at just the money that's coming in for TV deals and things like that. But then you see the ratings gap is not actually that big. Like you see the growth of the WNBA, you see the growth of the ratings for the women's basketball tournament, even the NWSL, the World Cup. These are all kind of on par with or ahead of where men's sports were at this time. So the gap's actually a lot smaller than what people think as far as the consumption of these sports. But then you go out in public anywhere and try to watch sports. You can get the MLB every night. You can get the NBA every night. But it's kind of like this whole song and dance to be like, can we get the NWSL game today? Can we get the WNBA on today? I mean, in general, consuming sports is harder than it's ever been between streaming for everything. But the inconsistency on on different deals for women's sports, it's a lot harder just to be able to consume these sports. And at the end of the day, like we've seen the U.S. women's national team fight for equity despite having higher ratings, despite having more success than the men's national team. And like, what's the only answer for that being a thing? Because it's not the economics that the dude bros on Twitter want to talk about. It's literally just misogyny at that point. 
For someone like me who is not super clued into sports, can you explain what you mean by the women's teams are farther ahead than the men's teams were at this point in their existence? Yeah, so the WNBA is 25-ish years old. At this point in time in the NBA's history, which started around like the 1930s or so, it was not getting TV deals. Now, part of that, too, is just like they didn't have social media. They didn't have these massive network deals. You look at like even the NBA, people kind of forget before the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird era, the NBA was not doing so hot. Like it was on um, tape delay on national TV. Like it wasn't doing the big NBA branding we're seeing now where the WNBA is kind of soaring at this point in its history. Professional women's sports haven't existed as long as men's have, so we're not really seeing that comparison the same way just because there's a lot more history behind these men's sports leagues just because like how time works. The Women's World Cup is going on right now, and while it's definitely getting attention, one of the reasons that it's hard to watch these matches locally is because it's an international event and the games are happening early in the morning our time. Is there a reason they couldn't be carried on U.S. TV at a more watchable time the next day? They're showing all the World Cup games live and just like we're in a social media era now where tape delay doesn't work anymore. You can't just show a game on delay like you could in the 80s. Like the Miracle on Ice when the U.S. men's hockey team defeated Soviet Union in 1980, one of the most historic sporting events in this country's history was on tape delay. But like Twitter didn't exist then. So you Mm -hmm. could do that. So it just kind of like is what it is. It's in Australia. It's in New Zealand. They're doing local time. A lot of the scheduling from FIFA was very U.S. centric, kind of assuming they would win that group and there were better start times here. But then they came in second. So uh, the start times are not as good anymore. This could be a moot point because we're recording on Friday and it's possible the U.S. will actually be eliminated from the World Cup this weekend. But the team hasn't been doing so well from what I'm reading. Do you think their underwhelming performance might be affecting enthusiasm? I don't think so. I think kind of one of the biggest steps for growth of women's sports in general is sportifying it. Like, it can't just be like, look at what the girlies are doing or like, just overwhelming enthusiasm you look at sports audiences like the Giants or the 49ers or whatever and there's a lot of griping and being a sports fan so that has to exist on the women's side as well so I think it's actually kind of cool we're seeing like these tactical analysis of like what is wrong with these this team why isn't Sophia Smith scoring it's almost like legitimization so I, I don't mind seeing coverage or talk about the team in that way because that's like enthusiasm in its own way A lot of women's sports coverage or fandom historically has just been kind of like rah-rah, go team. And Mm -hmm. I think it's only a good thing if it's more legitimized in the sense of critique. Yeah, not infantilizing them. Exactly. There have been now a few local efforts to address how hard it is to find places to watch women's sports. But one group in Oakland is actually making a dent. They're called Women's Sports Takeover, and they recently hosted a Women's World Cup watch party at the Athletic Club in Oakland where so many people showed up that they had to host an overflow party at another venue. What have they been doing to improve access and to spread the word? I mean, this is a problem I've had since I moved here. I want to just like go out and watch the WNBA and it's like an entire thing to go to a bar and hope like, well, I hope they turn it on or the hours are there, especially during like the World Cup too. I've been like trying like crazy. Is anyone actually hosting these games at these hours or whatever? And then 
nine times out of 10, you're the only one there who cares about watching it. And women's sports have such a strong communal sense to them just because people who consume them generally are trying to find like-minded people. Or one thing I kind of got into in the story that I wish I got to expand on a little bit more is how like the decline of lesbian bars in this country has really had been a contributing factor to the lack of spaces for consuming women's sports publicly just because they have such a queer-centric audience. But Megan Andrews, who founded this group, she told me about this because I was complaining like, well, I don't know where I'm going to watch these games. And she's like, well, check out his Instagram page. I was like, oh my God, there's a place where people can gather and like actually consume women's sports together and meet people. And it was really beautiful to see people just like there and talking about the game. It's really cool that they're doing this. They want to expand nationally. We'll see how many more events they host for the World Cup because of the timing of them makes it kind of rough from here. But yeah, they've hosted stuff for the WNBA, the NWSL. I know they're going to be hosting a watch party for the August 28th Liberty and Aces WNBA game, which should be a great one. I'm sure as Bay FC gets going, if a WNBA team comes here, Stanford women's basketball season, it'll be really nice to see more opportunity for people to gather and watch women's sports as a community. Women's sports takeover is making it easier to catch women's games, and there's growing interest from a general sports audience. More on that after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Marissa and Jemmy, we've been talking about this group Women's Sports Takeover and how they're organizing really popular watch parties for games. How did this group form? Who's behind it? Yeah, Megan Andrews, an entrepreneur in the area. She started it with her partner, who both have business experience and just kind of out of the desire to have community to watch women's sports together. And it's gone so well. They're considering expanding to other markets that have pro-women's sports teams. At the event I went to, a lot of just Megan's friends showed up just out of support, but also just a lot of people who had randomly heard about it either on Instagram. I'm on a women's dodgeball team, and I was telling someone I was going to that for work, and she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to that too. I heard about it on social media. And it's just wild to hear, like, the word of mouth. And that's really how women's sports have existed in a world that hasn't want to acknowledge them um, in the mainstream for so long is just kind of that word of mouth, that community sense. So it's really cool to see those roots being acknowledged with a group like this where people can continue to be a part of that. You just mentioned Bay FC, which is a National Women's Soccer League expansion team, and that is set to begin playing next year in San Jose. There's groups in Oakland and San Francisco that have expressed interest in WNBA expansion franchises. Do you think the Bay Area is poised to become a women's sports hotspot? Yeah, I mean, I think like it's almost already there regardless of the pro teams. I mean, you look at the women's national team and 
you, you have nine players from the Bay Area on that team. Sanford women's basketball has been a powerhouse for a while. The amateur women's sports here are definitely at a higher level than a lot of other places in the country. So kind of pro is just that next step. Bay FC, obviously, coming in first to market here was pretty important while the WNBA has kind of dragged its feet a little bit. The audience here is ready for it. I mean, I just out and about in the world, I ask people ask me like every day, when's the WNBA coming here? Or like mm. information about Bay FC, like people are the general audience, not just a women's sports audience is interested in the progression here. You also mentioned the kinds of spaces that are welcoming and kind of, you know, the, traditionally the, the venues for these kinds of sporting events. I would like you to tell me about a magical sounding place called the Sports Bra. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, it's been like my dream since I moved to the Bay Area for them to franchise to here. Sports Bra is a queer women's bar that is focused on playing uh, women's sports at all times based in Portland, Oregon. And they have a ton of TVs like any sports bar you would see. But on all of them are just women's sports all the time. I haven't been there. I've only been to Portland like 23 hours and it was for a concert. So I didn't get to stop at a sports bra, but I've wanted to since it started. You just see the demand that is there. It was previously a queer women's bar and transformed into this gathering space for women's sports full time from everything from WNBA to women's soccer to even like minor women's pro football leagues or Little League softball World Series, just kind of like everything that's very women centric. Which is really beautiful because, like I said before, those spaces don't really exist out in a while. And you see the success there. There's lines out the door for events like the World Cup. They um, debuted during March Madness in 2022 and there was like a wait list to get in. Like people, there were literally, I was reading about it the other day, like people were like literally crying saying, I've been waiting for a space like this. It's amazing to me we don't have more of them, but I guess they're kind of the test subject and we're seeing it's a huge success. When I talked to Megan, who runs Women's Sports Takeover, she's like, yeah, they're an inspiration for sure. She doesn't want to, like, run or operate a bar, but she's told me, yeah, whoever wants to do that here, it, it would definitely work. It's really cool to see a place like that have success because it really gives a model for what we could see in the future. This kind of space is shrinking. Nationwide, you wrote about this, the number of lesbian bars has decreased. And of course, lesbian bars aren't like the only place to watch women's sports. But can you tell me more about how the shrinking of queer spaces and women's spaces intersects with kind of the marginalization of women's sports? Yeah, it's fascinating because we're seeing women's sports kind of hit a mainstream level they've never existed on before. And that, I mean, that's literally been trending since like the 1999 World Cup. It's just taken a minute to get to this point where you're seeing kind of this women's sport. At first, it was just like, oh, women can do sports too, girl boss power stuff. And we're still kind of there a little bit. But uh, we're seeing like the legitimization of the WNBA, things like that in a mainstream eye. But before that, women's sports primary audience have been a, a queer women centric audience because a lot of women's sports are inherently queer to begin with. I mean, I wrote about this before with Cal Women's Basketball and their program. When I went to the Final Four in 2014, how they kind of really opened the door for acceptance in women's basketball at the college level. It was really taboo. It still is in a few areas. 
But the reality is there's a lot of queerness in women's sports and that really carries over to the audiences as well. And a lot of the time women's sports aren't marketed towards that as well. You see a lot of what people call just like inspiration porn. You see like we're doing this for the little girls type of stuff where the audience for women's sports is so much larger than that and has really been carried by a queer audience for a long time. And as we've seen queer women's spaces decline in the country, which was already happening and then really expedited by the pandemic as well. Those gathering spots become fewer and fewer. So that's something great sports bra is doing is kind of having that opportunity for those audiences to intermingle. In the Bay, we have a lot of queer women's spaces, but like I wrote about, like a lot of them aren't sit down and watch the sports type of place. So that's why women's sports takeover is filling a gap there. But yeah, it's really interesting to see that while women's sports are growing in a mainstream audience, the traditional audience that has kind of carried women's sports for a long time is having fewer spaces to gather and, and be a part of that. So now the most important question of this whole conversation, what big events are coming up in women's sports and where can Bay Area fans go to see them? Yeah, so the Women's World Cup is ongoing, and unfortunately, all the games are at the worst time ever from here on out. (laughs) So I know the Earthquake Bay FC at PayPal Park are going to continue to host some events. They'll play at midnight, 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. if it continues, so I don't think there are going to be that many spaces to consume those games publicly. But yeah, after that, we go into August and uh, WNBA season from here continues into the playoffs. A lot of those games will be on ESPN. I know Women's Sports Takeover, like I mentioned, are hosting an event out of Liberty and the Aces, the top two teams in the league from there. Not sure. And then the um, the NWSL championship, November 11th, and the playoffs leading up until then. And then we're into college basketball season and see where Stanford's at. Um, it's going to become a very busy time for women's sports very soon. Hopefully there are more spaces to to publicly watch some of these things. Some of that depends on TV deals, but NWSL has been on CBS and WNBA is on ESPN. So even if you just kind of want to go out on your own and ask these places to turn the games on, they will. Marissa, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You can read sports reporter Marissa and Jemmy's work at sfchronicle.com, and you can find upcoming watch parties through Women's Sports Takeover primarily on Instagram. Their handle is Women's Sports Takeover, all one word. Big thanks to Sarah Feldberg and Cecilia Lay for producing this episode, to Gary Baca for editing the audio, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>